Amen. Appreciate that. You know, uh, let's be turning in our Bibles. Uh, I'm going to talk while we turn to Second Chronicles, the first chapter. But, you know, as long as we've been uh, in the faith, in the family of God, as long as we have been into the Word of God, we've known and we see, we feel that this world is not our home, that we're just pilgrims passing through. But it seems, at least to me, that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more obvious that reality becomes, that, this, that we're looking for a, builder, a city whose builder and maker is God. And uh, we're, we're getting closer, and we thank God for that. And uh, we're glad that God would let us live in this time. But um, we've been studying, as many of you know, in recent weeks uh, in the book of Revelation. And one of the things we see in the book of Revelation is that God's people are crying out to him saying, when are you going to pour out the just wrath that this world deserves? And God is very patient, isn't he? But he, it will happen. It's going to happen. As a matter of fact, tonight in the service, the 6 o'clock service tonight, we're going to talk about uh, God's wrath that the world really deserves is going to occur one day. But in this day, we have a message of hope and mercy and, and love from Jesus Christ. We thank God for that today. In Second Chronicles chapter 1, we're going to read a few verses. As you probably know, um, at least most of you, that uh, we've been finished our study, our journey through the Gospel of Mark last week, and so uh, we're just going to have a couple of random sermons as we gear up for our next series. I like teaching in series and preaching through books, but it's all good, and we're going to look at a very helpful passage today. By the way, good to have guests with us today, a number of guests, some first-time guests and others who have been here before, but thank you for coming and worshiping with us. Um, we have, I counted up, I think, five families that are out today. This week weekend, you may have not got the memo, was actually uh, leave St. Clair weekend. So they've gone many places getting some time away. We're glad for them, but I'm glad we can be here. I'm glad you're here to be a part of it. We're going to read some scripture, Second Chronicles chapter 1. And if you're able to stand, let's stand for the reading of God's word and we're going to begin reading in verse 7, and you'll recognize that this is very early in the reign of the new king of Israel. His name is Solomon, and um, let's look in verse 7. And that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give thee. Now just let that soak in for a moment. He's a new king. He's very young. It's estimated that Solomon became the king uh, after his, Dave, his father David. He became the king when he was about 20 years old. It's a daunting responsibility. So in that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promise unto David my father be established, 
For thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. So many people. You can't, innumerable people. Verse 10. Here's Solomon's reply. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? So God said, ask, ask anything and I'll give it to you. And Solomon says, give me wisdom and knowledge in verse 10. Verse 11, and God said to Solomon, because this was in thine heart and thou hast not asked riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast asked long life, but hast asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee, God says, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings that have had that have been before thee. Neither shall there any after thee have the like. Then Solomon came from his journey to the high place that was at Gibeon to Jerusalem, from whence the tabernacle of the congregation and reigned over Israel. So we're going to look at this passage uh, today as a whole, the passage we've read. But I particularly want to focus on a phrase, and we'll come back to that numerous times. Look in verse 11, where God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart. I want to think about that phrase today, because God's going to bless Solomon with more than he could have ever imagined more than he ever asked for. And the reason was because what was in his heart. Because this was in thine heart. And we're going to focus on that tonight. Because you know what? God knows what's in our heart. And sometimes we only see what's on the outside for ourselves, for others. But God knows what's in our heart. And this was a direct response to what was in Solomon's heart. What God did. And I will make some application today. But let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for your word. Bless as we study your word today, as we apply it to our life, as we seek to understand the importance of what you saw in Solomon's heart and what you see in our hearts. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just a brief little uh, reminder, a little biography of Solomon. Uh, his mother was Bathsheba, and his dad, of course, was David. And um, David chose the name Solomon, named him Solomon. But the Lord had a different name for Solomon. The Lord called his name Jedidiah, which means the beloved of the Lord. Uh, David, as I said, was his dad, and David was a king. And as before David died, there was actually a little a drama going on for who would be David's replacement. But but David announced that Solomon would be his successor. And so Solomon, a young man, as I said, maybe about 20, or at least in his early 20s, became the third king of Israel. 
Saul was the first king, and then, of course, David, and now Solomon. Uh, God appeared to Solomon in a dream, and he asked Solomon, what would you like for me to do? I've thought about this many, many times in my life, and I, I know many of you have, and I'd urge you to do so today. What shall I give thee? What can I give you? And uh, Solomon's request, as we emphasized a moment ago, really, was give me now wisdom in verse 10. Uh, it's recorded, this same thing is recorded in 1 Kings. We're not going to turn to it. But in 1 Kings, it says this about Solomon's prayer. He says, I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. God says, what would you like for me to do for you? And he says, I'm really, I'm going to paraphrase, I'm overwhelmed with my responsibility. I don't feel up to the task. And so I ask you to give me wisdom. And he recognized the need for God's wisdom. By the way, in reading this, most of us could say, you know, we've been there. We felt that before. Surely in some time frame, some event in your life, you felt the same way as a parent. God, I can't do this. I can't do the job. I can't handle the responsibility. Maybe it's just a, as a, a husband or a wife or whatever the case may be as a young person. Lord, I need you. I need your wisdom. I don't know what to do. And if you've never been there, then um, I would like to say it'd be good for you to get there, to realize how much we really do need the Lord. We need his wisdom. I know I felt that way. Many, many times. I, I cannot say that I pray this prayer every day, but probably more days than not, I pray this prayer sometime during the day. Lord, I need your wisdom. This was what he was asking for. He was asking for wisdom. And by the way, God answered it in a big way, didn't he? God gave Solomon thousands of Proverbs that he wrote. He wrote songs. Most of the book of Proverbs in our Bible was given to us through this Answer to his prayer, Lord, I need wisdom. The queen of Sheba once traveled many hundreds of miles because she had heard about Solomon. She heard about his wealth. She heard about his house. She heard about his wisdom. She came to see firsthand. And she said after she saw him, I heard with my ears, but now I've seen. And the half was not told me. All of this came about as a direct result of this prayer that we read. Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom and knowledge, he said. And God answered him in verse 10. God answered this request and said to him in verse 11, because this was in thine heart, because you didn't ask me. Look again at verse 11. You have not or hast, thou hast not asked riches. Solomon could have asked for riches. He could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for honor. He could have asked for popularity. He could have asked, he says, nor the life of your enemies. He could have asked for victory in battle. He's a king. He could have said, please help me. You didn't ask for a long life, but you asked for wisdom and knowledge for thyself. God says in verse 11, that thou mayest judge my people over whom I have made thee king. Because this was in your heart. You didn't ask for all these other things. What if, what if last night um, God came to you in a dream 
And God said to you, what would you like for me to do for you? You have one request. What would you want me to do? How would you have answered that? Young person, how would you have answered? If God were to ask you that, how would you have answered that? Would you have asked for financial blessing? Would you have asked for success? Would you ask to be popular? Would you ask for, for physical blessings, for health, for wholeness and wellness in life? What would you have asked for? It's a good question to think about, isn't it? You know why? If God were to come to me last night in a dream and, and ask me that question, I, I, would, I don't know how I would have answered him. But I believe from this lesson, we know why we would have answered the way we answered. Solomon answered because that was in his heart. I need wisdom. That was in his heart. And so really, the, in a general way, we want to look at what happened in Solomon's life. But in a specific way, we want to think about this matter of our heart. He didn't ask for riches because to him that wasn't the most important thing. He didn't ask for long life because for him that wasn't the most important thing. That wasn't the thing that was in his heart. He didn't ask for success. He asked because it was in his heart, he asked God for wisdom. And I, wanna, I just want to clarify as we get into this today that most of us could say we, we would like to have many things that are recorded here. We would like to have our financial needs met, right? We would like for our bills to be paid. We would like for, to have more than enough to get by, right? That's not, that is not unreasonable. That's not selfish to want that. We'd like to have health. We would like to have strength. We would like for God to, to extend our life. We would like for God to bless us with, in our relationships with family and with friends and all these things. But you know what God said to Solomon? I'm going to give you all these things. And I'm not going to give you all these things because you asked for them. I'm going to give you all these things because you did not ask for them. I'm going to give you all these things because there was something more important to you than finances and popularity and health. And that is that we could have God, he could have God's wisdom. And as I said, he was renowned for his wisdom, but he was also renowned for his prosperity, his popularity, his kingdom. If you read about his kingdom, his kingdom in the, in the uh, scope of it, it was enormous, the uh, just vast kingdom, because God blessed him and blessed him with peace among his enemies. So God, in verse 12, gives him these things because it was in his heart to ask for wisdom. It's obvious as we think about this today that God is interested in what's in our heart. God was interested in what was in Solomon's heart. You know, it's interesting to me that uh, Solomon's da dad, David, was known for the condition of his heart. That's one of the things that God said about him. When God, when God chose David, a son of Jesse, to replace 
King Saul, the first king of Israel, he described David in this way. He didn't describe him as a man who could kill a giant with a stone. He described him as a man after God's heart. Remember that? When Samuel, who was assigned the responsibility to anoint the successor to King Saul, and Samuel went to Jesse's house, and Jesse had a lot of sons there. And as would be the norm, the expected protocol when uh, David came or saw Samuel came to, to Jesse's house and and uh, Jesse said brought his oldest son out first here's my oldest son and he was impressed by the way he looked and but God let Samuel know that's not him and then his second son then his third son then his fourth son then his fifth son till all the sons came came before him and Samuel knew none of these None of these boys, none of these young men are the ones that God wants to be the king. And so Samuel said uh, to Jesse, do you have any other sons? And he said, yeah, I've got one. He's a, he's a youngster. He's out watching the sheep. And Samuel said, bring him up here. And this is what it says. I'm not going to turn to it today, but this is what it says in that, in that scenario. The Lord said this to Samuel in the presence of Jesse and the others, the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Even at that point, God said, all these other boys may impress us by the way they look, but that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for what's inside a person. I'm looking for what's in a person's heart. And God hasn't changed. He's still that way today. God looks at what's in our heart. And this was David. This was the beginning, our beginning introduction to David, that uh, he was a man after God's own heart. As a matter of fact, you're in, you're in 2 Chronicles 1. Turn to the left just a page or so to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. This is when Solomon is being named as the king and David is praying for his young son who will be the king. And look at part of his prayer. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Look in verse 18. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people. Keep this on, our, on the people's mind and heart and prepare their heart unto thee. Now look in verse 19, 1 Chronicles 29, 19. And give unto Solomon, my son, David is praying, and give unto Solomon, my son, a perfect heart to keep thy commandments, thy testimonies, and thy statutes, and to do all these things, and to build the palace for the which I have made provision. That would, of course, be the temple that we often refer to as Solomon's temple. But what did David pray for his, Sol for his son Solomon? He said pr he prayed for him to have the right kind of heart. By the way, as parents, that would be a good prayer for us to pray for our children. God give them the right heart. Now, I know many parents here in our church who prayed that similar prayer for their children and do pray that prayer. We want them to have a heart for God. 
We want our children to love the Lord. You know, it's okay that they do well in school. We want that to happen. It's okay they do well in sports. We want that to happen if that's God's will. We want them to find the right career. But more than anything, we want them to have a heart for God. That's what, that's what David prayed for Solomon, his son. And we see in the very next chapter, the first chapter of Second Chronicles, that that's where Solomon's heart was at that time. Now I have to give you a little bit of bad news about Solomon. I mean, when we're reading here, he had a heart for God. All he wanted was God's wisdom. But his heart was not always as his father, David. Solomon didn't guard his heart as he should have. As a matter of fact, and I'm not going to turn to this, but in 1 Kings, three times in two verses, it refers to Solomon's heart. This is in his adult life. In verse 3, it says his wives turned away his heart. In verse 4, I'm quoting, it says his wives turned away his heart. In verse 4, again, it says his heart, listen to these words, his heart was not perfect unto the Lord as was the heart of David his father. Even this man who had such renowned wisdom and a heart for God, that people traveled great distances just to see with their own eyes what was happening in his kingdom, his heart got turned away. We were uh, in our conference a couple of weeks ago when uh, we hosted this conference, and most of you were here at least for a part of it, and we heard 16 different sermons in in three days, but Pastor Mike Custer uh, from Grand Forks, North Dakota, he preached a sermon on the hardness of the disciples' hearts. Some of you heard that, the hardness of their hearts. These men who traveled with Jesus, who spent more time with Jesus than anybody else on this earth, who preached the gospel, who saw the miracles, saw him feed the multitude, saw him raise people from the dead. These people, according to the words of Jesus, these people's hearts also became hardened. Let me ask you today, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, um, if God were to just look into your heart, examine your heart, you know, what would he see? I'm not talking about the health of your heart and how your heart beats and, and I'm not talking about how the valves are functioning. I'm talking about spiritually. What would God see? And I think a, a relevant question that, that applies to that is this. Can we really control the condition of our heart? How much influence do we have on our heart's desires? Keep in mind that in this text... God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, and you didn't ask me for these other things, but you asked me for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you all those other things as well. The same writer, Solomon, said this in Proverbs chapter 4. Think about these words. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart, not your physical heart, your spiritual heart. Your heart is the, the center of your being. Your heart is the part of you 
that influences what we want, what we desire, what we do, what our disciplines are. It all comes from the heart. Some of you have heard me refer to this before, but uh, when I was in high school, um, junior high and high school, I played football, and one of the things we had to do every year, we had to get a uh, physical every year. And I had a regular doctor, Joseph Dubin. He was a doctor, my family doctor. But, but I didn't go see, we didn't go see him. Most of us didn't go see him to get our physical. There was a lady who was a doctor. She was a real doctor, but she had a practice in her home. Little, I can still almost see it, a little frame house. And we, you'd give her $10 and she'd give you a physical. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget one time I went in to see her and she... She fills out this little thing, and she puts her stethoscope on, and she listens to my heart, and she said, has anybody ever told you that you have a heart murmur? Now, I had a, a good doctor, a regular doctor, and I'd been to doctors before, but this doctor that some people would have called a quack, I would have called her a quack, <laughs> but she, knew, she saw something in my heart that no one else had ever seen, that this was, had this rhythm was, or the, it's actually a seepage in my heart valve, and I've never done anything about it, and it still works, so I'm, you know, if it wasn't meant for her, I wouldn't even know I had it. Lots of doctors since then have noticed it, but she noticed it. The point being, she picked up on something that was in my heart that no one else had ever picked up on. But there's someone, not a doctor, not an MD, not a quack or an expert. There's, there's someone that knows your heart better than you know it. And that's God. And you know the reality is we can come to church and we can speak the language and look the part, but in reality in our heart something's not right. And God's more interested in what's in our heart than it is any other thing about our life. Because if we don't have our heart right, then we're not going to see God work and he's see his blessing and his direction and plan for our life. I go back to that verse I quoted a moment ago, Proverbs 4. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The word keep there means to guard your heart. Keep Solomon had this heart that God looked at, and Solomon, God said to Solomon, because you want wisdom, because you need wisdom, because you prefer wisdom over wealth and over prosperity and over health, because, the, because that's where your heart is, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm going to give you all the other things as well. But you know what Solomon did not do? He didn't keep his own heart. The Bible's clear about that. His heart was turned away. From the Lord. What does God want in our hearts? He wants us to be sincere as opposed to being hypocritical. He wants us to be humble as opposed to being proud. He wants us to be hungry for Him. Blessed are they who do hunger and thirst after righteousness. He wants us to hunger more than being satisfied and content. This is what God is looking for in our heart. You know, Jesus said this about people in his day. He's, and he quoted from the book of Isaiah, but he says, this is written of you. 
They honor, this people honor me with their lips, but their what? Heart is far from me. You ever had someone ask you, how's it going? And they're not just asking you. We, we ask people that regularly. How's it going? And we don't really care. We're just saying that. You know what I'm saying? But, but sometimes you have these people ask you, how are you doing? And you say, I'm doing okay. But in reality, you're not doing okay. This people honors me with their lips. I've asked this question probably not as many times as I should have. But I've asked it lots of times. I've asked people. There are people sitting in this room. Uh, even as young people, teenagers, and sometimes if I have a moment when nobody's around, I say, you know, what's going on in your life spiritually? And they say, oh, I'm okay. But really, they're not, good. they're not okay. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God wants our hearts to be surrendered to him. I want to turn to one last page, a uh, place in the Bible. You can leave Second Chronicles Let's go to the book of Deuteronomy, way over near the first of the Bible, the fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 5. Because Moses, as he is writing here, this summary in the book of Deuteronomy, kind of a recap, a summary of how God has dealt with him and Israel over their, their time, their history together. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, he is recalling something, and I want to just look at a few verses Beginning in like verse, um, let's look in verse 27. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 27. Now here, as we, as we pick up this passage in verse 27, just to help you comprehend, grasp it, it's, uh, it's the people speaking to Moses. And what the people are saying to Moses is, you tell us what God wants and we'll do it. The people are talking to Moses. So look in verse 27. Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say. Moses, you go listen to God. You tell us what God is saying and speak thou unto us. All that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee and we will hear it and do it. Now that's a great response. The people said, Moses, and if you're familiar with the, some of the Old Testament narrative when God met with the people and gave the commandments and the law at Mount Sinai, it was such a, an experience. There was just thunder and lightning and a fearful experience. And the people said to Moses, this is, this is above our pay grade, more or less. We, we can't handle all this. You go talk to God and you tell us what God says. So that's, that's kind of what they're echoing here. You, go, you find out what God says. You tell us and we'll do it. Sounds wonderful. Verse 28, And the Lord heard the voice of your words, Moses said. The Lord heard what you said when you spake unto me. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. So the Lord said to Moses, I heard everything they told you. That what they said was good. But now look in verse 29. God says, Oh, that there were such an heart in them, that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. God said, if, there was just, if they just had the heart for it, 
You know what God knew about them? They were saved. They said to Moses, you tell us what God says and we'll do it. God said, I heard them say that. But I also know why they're not going to do it. Because they don't have a heart for it. If they just had the heart for it. And you know, we can say sometimes, you know, I want to do better. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to stop doing that. And all that is well and good if it's what God wants you to do. But I'm telling you, if, you're, if you don't have a heart for it, it's not going to happen. Because out of the heart are the issues of life. You know, when God looks to us today, and when God hears us today, and we may even say, I want to, this is really what I want to do with my life. I, wanna, I want my life to honor the Lord. I want my life to be pleasing to God. And if that's just words, it's not going to work. But if it's in your heart, you know, God can make that happen. God can help that happen. So as we close today, we ask the question again, what does God see in your heart? You know, when, God, when I stand before you today, I'm keenly aware that I could be up here saying things. I could be up here preaching sermons. I could be up here trying to declare God's truth, even explain God's truth, make it understandable, make it applicable. But I could do every bit of that and my heart not be like it should be spiritually. You say, well, that's kind of an interesting thing to say. It's true. It's true. More than anything, we want our heart to be where God wants it to be. So I ask the question again, what if, what if God were to give me this promise today? What if God were to give you this promise today? Ask me for anything. Ask me for anything. Anything you like and I'll give it to you. What would it be in your heart to ask God for? And you might say, well, I don't really know. I don't really know. But you know, sometimes I think we do know. Well, I'd ask him to you know, a, couple, a week or two ago, the government dropped $2,800 into our checking account. That's pretty sweet, right? Maybe I could ask him to add about 10 zeros to that. <laughs> nice, huh? What would you ask God for? If, he, if he'd give you anything you ask, what would you ask him for? You say, well, I've got a, a health issue, or I've got a relationship that's broken, or I... I want God to fix this situation in my children's life. And you know what? All those things are important. All those things are important. But let me suggest that we make this, put this in our list of things to ask God for. God, I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom and understanding in life. I need to know what you want done, what you want me to do, how you want me to do it. I need your wisdom. And you know, it might be that if we ask God for the right thing, he might give us what we ask him for. And he might give us other things to boot, we would say, in addition to that. What's in your heart today? Let me ask you this. I want you to think about this, and we're going we're to 
conclude this message here in a moment, but, you know, I, I want to make a, another appeal to our young people. Our, our young people were gone for the last two days, many of them, not all of them, but many of them to a youth conference where they heard good preaching and good singing and had a good time. And I so, I'm so supportive of those things. We have youth conferences, we have youth camps, youth activities. But you know, if you never get to the place that what you want in your heart is God's plan for my life and God's will for my life, this is what I want more than anything, more than being popular. I want, I want to know God. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to have God's will and God's wisdom. If you never get that in your heart, it's never going to work for you spiritually. It's got to start in your heart. And if there's nothing in your heart right now that says, I just want to know God. I know I need him in my life. That's what you need more than anything. And by the way, that's not just young people that need that. That's all people that need that. I want to know the Lord. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to know that I know him. And you know what? That's what God wants for our life. He wants us to know him. And today, if you don't know him, you may not think this sounds reasonable, but God wants to know you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to be a part of your life. And if you don't have that today, he, he, he died on the cross. He went to the cross for you and for me. That the thing that stands between us and God could be removed. And that thing is our sin. That keeps us from knowing God. That separates us from God. But Jesus took care of that on the cross. He died for our sins. He paid the price, the penalty for our sins. That we could be forgiven of our sins. That we could know God. It's been a long, long time ago, but I remember as a teenager, and I'm not proud to say this, but it's true. There was a time in my life that the thing that mattered most to me was sports. My wife and I knew each other back then, and she could, she could vouch for that. Nothing mattered to me more than sports. I would wake up in the night thinking about it. I would dream about it. I would plan toward it. And then after a while, that became less important to me. But it wasn't replaced with something healthy because there were several years of my life the thing that mattered most in life to me was just me. What I wanted how I felt, my enjoyment, what made me feel good. So I went from one idol to another idol. You say, well, do you think sports is wrong? I don't think sports is wrong in the right way. But God never intended for us to put anything in our life more important than him. 
And you know, you can't see that on a, outside of a person, but it's in their heart. And I'm telling you today, God wants our heart. The same writer, Solomon, said this in another one of the Proverbs, and I'll close with this. He said, my son, give me thine heart. That's what I want. I want your heart. And you know what? When he gets your heart, everything else will come along with it. Does he have your heart today? Does he have your heart? If not today, that's what he wants. He doesn't just want our presence in church. Nothing wrong with that, but that's not what he's looking for. He wants your heart. Because if he gets your heart, he gets the whole thing. Amen? Does he have your heart today? And if not, why don't, you answer, why don't you be an answer to that prayer? My son, give me thine heart. Give him your heart today. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. With our heads bowed this morning, with our eyes closed, does God have your heart? Maybe you're sitting here today and you're just thinking about all this and you say, man, I don't understand. If I, I'm not sure I understand all this stuff. Well, understand this, God loves you. And understand this, all of us, the best of us, the worst of us, all of us, all of us have sinned against God. But God still loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. And through him, we can have forgiveness of sin. If you're here today and you don't know him, he wants a relationship with you. And if that's in your heart, if, you, if you're sitting there thinking, man, I didn't even come expecting this, but that's really what I want. People are here to help you. Take a Bible and explain things to you. Show you some scriptures. Help you see how you could, if you desired to, you could have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. If that's what you want, I'll be standing here at the front. You could come to me and say, preacher, that's what I want. I want the Lord in my life. I want to know God. Maybe you're here today and you come to this church often or maybe... Maybe today's the first time you've ever been here, but you say, that's what I want. Well, I want to, I've got good news. That's what God wants too. He wants that for you. Father, as we pray today, I want to thank you for this portion of scripture and the heart that Solomon had at this point in time to to ask you for wisdom, for knowledge, for guidance. And Lord, it was clear to us that he said the right thing. His heart was in the right place. God, would you work in our lives today? Would you help us today to understand, to recognize, and to maintain the awareness that most most importantly, more than anything else, you want our heart. God, we want you to have first place in our life. We want you to have our hearts, not just a few moments of our day, not just a fraction or a portion of our life. We want you to have our devotion, our loyalty, our allegiance, our love. While folks are praying today and